Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Philippa Lacey Brule and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. If you are new here, hi, thank you for joining. And if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. In this podcast, we explore all sorts of things that have gone on in British history. We look at people, we look at events, we look at outcomes and perhaps look at them from a different perspective than usual. If you would like to support me in this free podcast, this podcast will always remain free, but if you would like to support me, then you can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash British history. And you can choose the tier there that would suit you best, starting from any £3 a month just for your kind support. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone. Hi, welcome to Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live with me, Philippa. I hope you are all having a fantastic week. The sun is shining here, which is new for a few months. Spring has sprung, so um, to actually, I'd rather be outside, but not really. I'll talk to you for an hour. I may well be trying to do a lot more site visits while the weather is nice. Hi Lisa, hi Janine, hi Bobby Ann. Rebecca, good morning. Hi, Bobby. So I hope you are all, uh, have, yeah, like I say, having a great week and doing well. I am, I've got lots to talk to you about today, actually. I'm not as well prepared, but that's for good reason. That's because I'm actually back working. I've always been working throughout the pandemic, but actually, um, actually back to some tour organising, etc, etc. Ipsa1959, hi, how are you? Um, Lisa, it's your birthday today, happy birthday. It's a big one, should I ask? <laughs> you can tell us if you like, but either way, have a, have a wonderful birthday. Um, yeah, Thursday, not, not the best time to have a birthday unless you're gonna extend the weekend from now until Sunday, I think that's what you should do. Birthday weekend, birthday weekend for Lisa. So today, oh, Lisa, 50. That's the best, isn't it? After 40. <laughs> you're supposed to know what you want in life by the time you're 50. <laughs> Have you got there? Do we ever get there? So yeah, so today, like this morning, I have been doing High Perseverance 1501. Welcome. High History Dude 90 and Pete Spence. Um, life starts now, indeed, indeed. Lisa, well, happy birthday. I hope you have a fabulous day. Um, yes, yeah, so this morning I have been looking at, basically when we get to a certain stage with organising tours, it's the very, very detailed to the minute timings and that is exactly what I've been doing this morning. Hence, um, I don't know, we'll see if you can tell if I'm, uh, if I, if I'm uh, not prepared or not. Um, I can see that Sarah, Sarah is on the road today. Sarah is at Chepstow. Um, Sarah, do you want to come in for a bit? I can see you've requested, but I never know if that's a mistake when people ask. But you can, you're more than welcome. So tomorrow, I may as well tell you this uh, um, now, at four o'clock, I'm hosting on my Instagram channel at British underscore history underscore tours, the visiting Tudor Britain room this week. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, we're talking about Raglan Castle, yay, Raglan Castle and Chepstow Castle. Now, because Sarah is on the road, she will be at Raglan tomorrow and she's at Chepstow today. Let's see if we can get her up. Um, I have. Yay! <laughs> right, everyone, I'm going to take my microphone out for a minute. Sarah, there you go. Right, so my, my sound will probably change for a minute. How are you, Sarah? Fantastic. Hopefully you can hear. Well, look at you with your sunglasses I... on. <laughs> I thought I'd just gate crash your room really quickly just to say hello from well actually I'm on the old Chepstow Bridge Philippa which is I've got Wales on my right and I've got England on my left so I'm literally straddled between two countries as we speak with the castle on oh, uh, the sun's in the, the sun's in a bit of a bad position to see the castle but it's up there on the cliff and that's where I'm heading next wow Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, it's wonderful. So you haven't been to um, Chepstow before, have you? So this is your first 
visit? Totally. my Yeah, my first time. We've just had lunch down by the river. This is a tidal river, one of the second largest tidal rivers in the world. It's very picturesque. Let me just turn you around. I'll just turn you that way as well so you can see down the river a little bit. It's, as you can see, it's a, just a lovely, lovely, lovely sunny day here. So um, I can't wait. I've got, I've got Tepsto Castle today and then at Ragland tomorrow because I heard you were talking about our room tomorrow. So yeah, I thought while, while I can see you were coming on, we are, I may as well tell everyone that uh, your, your journey today and tomorrow is the inspiration for our room tomorrow. And so hopefully tomorrow you'll actually, well, hopefully with Signal be at Raglan when we do the room. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. so, so look, um, you've got your, your own room to run, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Oh, yeah, the signal's not great. I'm going to leave you to your room, and I'll hopefully see you guys tomorrow at Raglan Castle. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. See you soon. Bye. 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 Right, everyone on YouTube, sorry, I hope you could just about hear, I turn the microphone around. I'm going to stick my um, lapel mic back in for Instagram now as well. So that was it. She's down at Chepstow um, and, uh, and she'll be at Raglan tomorrow. So we're talking, uh, they're in Wales, if anyone doesn't know, South Wales. So um, yeah, on the Tudor Trail, uh, as Sarah is usually. And, uh, and so that's where we'll cover tomorrow. I'm hoping to get down to Chepstow uh, soon as well. Like I said before, take advantage of this beautiful spring weather that we're having, which will hopefully continue, but um, you never know. And in a few weeks time, I'm doing jury service, so I won't be around for a couple of weeks and uh, to do this or any of my uh, usual site visits. So, um, so I'm planning to get as much in as possible. So, but what have I been up to? So last week, if you managed to join me, I did separate lives on YouTube and Instagram and I was at Deerhurst, a place called Deerhurst, um, which is very close to Tewkesbury actually. So I also did Tewkesbury as some of you may have seen. And I visit, so I was at Deerhurst because I wanted to visit two Anglo-Saxon churches. They're very, very close by to each other. St. Mary's, which was the Priory Church of Deerhurst Priory and Odder's Chapel that was built by Earl Odder uh, in the early 11th century in, uh, in well, it was, it, I was gonna say in remembrance of his brother, it wasn't, it was dedicated to his brother for masses to be, uh, to be said for his brother's soul. So that's where I was last week. If you missed that, then you can go back and have a look um, on either channel. Um, if you're a patron, then um, on the nobility tier, tier or above, then you uh, will probably, most of you I think have already seen, but if you haven't, it's still there, will be forever, the inside look at St. Mary's and Odder's Chapel. So you can actually go with me inside the churches and have a look at the incredible Saxon remains that are there um, of, the, of the original churches so it's um it was really beautiful and then because I had a bit of time left in the day and because it was close by to Tewkesbury I decided despite there having been heavy rainfall for the previous couple of days to go on the battle uh, walk so you can walk around the battlefield at Tewkesbury um with a very well um organized I suppose uh walk so again, I did a live and so you can have a look back. It's a little bit sketchy because the, um, the signal was a bit sketchy, but you can kind of get an idea. I always find it, uh, oh, Janice says, glad you're on the Saxon trail. Yes. And it was set off by the fact that in Patreon at the end of this, this quarter, so the end of April, I'm doing a kind of beginner's guide to, uh, to the old uh, English kings. And, and queens actually so I'm putting that together at the moment so it's led me deep into Anglo-Saxon England which if you haven't watched The Last Kingdom <laughs> do so and that will get you there very quickly um it's 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 fascinating of course it's the time period where we uh where England is actually formed when Christianity takes hold uh, and replaces paganism but of course it ebbs and flows There's, it's not a linear progression uh, we have 
joined up. Uh, so we have separate kingdoms, we have tribes, they join up, they separate, they join up in a different way. We have a Danish ruler and king uh, in the uh, early, early 11th century. I, don't, I can't remember the exact dates with Canute. We have the Dane law, not that that was what it was referred to at the time, but a, a huge, huge, huge part of the country. It, like, it looks like half to me on any map where it was actually under Danish rule or at least rule of the Danes. I don't think it was linked back to, um, to Denmark or, 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 or anywhere where, where they came from. So, um, yeah, so Anglo-Saxon England is becoming a real passion uh, of mine of, of late. So I will be taking you all on that journey with me. So Tewkesbury, though, back to Tewkesbury. I have uh, done something on the Patreon recently if you're interested in my patreon by the way then you can um check out why you would want to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash british history and we do something pretty much every week it's every week and then i give you a week off to catch up um but you get early access to everything uh that uh, that i might be putting out on youtube including a new video that's gone live yesterday on Patreon. It will go live on uh, YouTube on Saturday. And that is the badges and mottos of the Queens of Henry VIII. So I've, I wanted to do something where they're all in one place so we could see, um, yeah, see what they look like and, uh, and what their mottos were. It's, 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 it's an interesting video. It's about quarter of an hour, 20 minutes, I think from memory. Um, Janice is another, my, oh, sorry, her other half is a big Saxon fan. <laughs> we'll get you there as well, Janice. Um, there ain't nothing like a Dane, Michael says. <laughs> so um, now I noticed uh, Jenna, Oatlane Homestead, has joined us as well. She is, if you don't follow her on Instagram, go and follow her and she will make your mouth water with her baking, right? This is my attempt. So <laughs> I have my Barabrith with me, fitting, as it's a Welsh recipe and Sarah is in Wales. Hi, Jenna. Um, yes, so I have got my, uh, my Barabrith. I doubt very much I'm going to have a chance to eat it while I'm talking to you. That would be rude. But anyway, it's here. I thought I'd prove to you that I actually did. I did bake it and it is edible. I might mess with the recipe a bit, but then that could go even more wrong, couldn't it? Um, so, yes, yeah, so back to Tewkesbury, though. So I did a walk of the battlefield. So you get to walk through. It's, it's, um, we're really fortunate, really, in Tewkesbury um, that uh, presumably this is because, because people have stepped in, but the battlefields um, are largely undeveloped. They developed right up close. Now, partly that could be because they were quite boggy. So whether that is, Janice wants me to send her some cake, you might want to reserve judgment, but <laughs> yes, Michael, butter. Butter should go on my Barabrith. I, I do know this. My Nana used to put, uh, whose recipe it is, um, used to put butter on the Barabrith. Um, Jenna says, it looks delicious. I really want to try the Barabrith or speckled bread in Welsh. Oh, speckled bread. Mm -hmm. um, what's the other cakes? with fruit in, but not barn cakes, no, can't think. Anyway, well, someone might say and then try those as well. They're like, um, they're like a bit like drop scones. Um, anyway, <laughs> the reason I know about those as well is because when I went to a travel trade exhibition once, I was absolutely starving. I'd been traveling or like a few hours to get there. And the first thing that I got to eat was on the Visit Wales stand. And it was these, these um, cakes, it's like, Oh, I want to say Eccles cakes. They're not Eccles cakes because that wouldn't be Welsh. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so these these battlefields in Tewkesbury are so you can still walk round them, and you can walk through the yeah, Jenna's Jenna's on the case. She's going to have a look. Um, you can walk through the field where the Lancastrians were uh, had their camp. Um, Janice, no, not bread pudding. 
Oh, I just can't think. And the Irish have Brack. I've never heard of Brack. Patagonian black cake? Don't know what that is either. Oh. <laughs> right, you're making me hungry and I can't eat until I've finished here. I did start it, to be fair. Mm. So Jenna's been doing... We're looking at Tudor recipes, haven't you, Jenna? So Henry's... Uh, sorry, Jenna's been looking uh, into Henry's orchards and recipes. It's really uh, interesting. I don't know how much access they had to... I know they had access to sugar, but how much and what sort of sugar? Was it anything like the sugar we have now? And therefore, what were the recipes like? And were they as sweet? Um, yeah, I'm interested, probably up until the point of really cooking it. Although I do like, I do like baking. I do like baking. Um, yeah, sorry. So Tewkesbury, you can go to the field where the Lancastrian camp was. You can carry on walking. What you notice is you is you is you drop over a lot of uh, little streams, little um, little yeah waterways. Oh, Michael says they had honey. Yes, um, Jenna. Oh, Lisa's got another one, a Welsh border tart. No, it wasn't that. But again, something to look into. Jenna, sugar was grown in the Middle East during Henry's time in Iraq and Iran. So, so trade routes. I mean, we know trade routes were open, and they got all sorts from everywhere. Um, I'd like to understand that a bit more as well. Anyone read the Silk Road? But good. Um, and it's really, well, when I first read it, really um, eye-opening because we're taught history at school, especially in little parcels and there is parcels of time and, par and parcels of like location as well. And, and even more granular down to, you know, really what the ruling classes were doing or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. A book like The Silk Roads really opens up your mind to looking at over, uh, uh, history over time and over geography as well. I thoroughly recommend that to anyone. Peter Frankopan wrote it. He's also written a children's version, which I almost wondered whether I should start with that. <laughs> um, because it is, there's a, there's a lot, you know, the, the uh, expansion of religion, which one, were, you know, which one was winning out at what time and um, in which direction. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, yeah. But anyway, on a, on a, on a little route, so back to Tewkesbury, I'm going to keep going back. There was also a part, so you go past, it's a real mix of um, being right next to a road and then being in, the peace and quiet and one of the places that is really peaceful is the edge of king john's um what was king john's hunting forest and it was really dense at the time of the battle of Tewkesbury, and it was full of deer because this is where john had had his deer park and then it'd been kept kept up um it is now it was open fields and I think behind it was a golf course. So you couldn't really have much more of a change from fully densely wooded to open fields. And uh, the, the brothers York, they're, they're, um, they, they sent in a retinue of soldiers to go and have a look if there were any Lancastrians hiding in there ready to ambush. There wasn't, so they took up that position. But if you were stood there now, you would just have no, you would have no idea it was a deer park, let alone it had been such a significant point in the battle. And then you carry on round and you get to a place called Bloody Meadow. And that is where I was able to do uh, the live. I did it on Instagram last week to show you. Um, Michael says the Saxons didn't eat beef. That is a French word, burf. Burf, burf. Is it burf? <laughs> but did they eat cow? Janice says. <laughs> Didn't I hear? So the old English word was the what? What the old the the word for what it looks like? Well, what it is in when it's in the field, when it's in the dirty mud, is the old English word, and the French gave it a different word for when it's cooked and on the on the table. Which is why we have things like cow and beef. I don't know. Oh, no, you tell me. 
You tell me. So that's um, that's where I've I've been most recently, and I am hoping to follow in Sarah's footsteps and get to Chepstow soon. But I have a whole, I have a whole list of places, so I could spring up anywhere, as I as I am wont to do. Um, and I'm going to make the most of it now. We should all be making the most of being able to uh, live. I think the last two years have demonstrated that, have they not? And the sun is out. So I'm hoping for a 2020 type summer. I don't know what you, how you had, uh, what your weather was like in 2020, but we were blessed with a really good summer. Really, really good summer. I got a fantastic tan in my back garden. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but wasn't able to go anywhere. I prefer the being able to go somewhere. So um, I will be popping up. You will be seeing me because then, like I say, in a few weeks time, I'll be on jury service. So I won't be able to do this. I'll be basically taking Easter off doing that so not off, but often doing this. And so uh, I will be once again chained down and not able to go anywhere. Uh, so so anyway, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Um, patrons as well. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. When, um, uh, so I've just also uh, finished last night the next blog, which is on the Tudor siblings. More accurately, half siblings. And I have included henry fitzroy in there as well so it's a blog it goes to all patrons it'll be um out at the start of april and it is about to mary henry fitzroy uh elizabeth and edward and how they did or didn't get on with each other what their relationships were like practical information like how old were they when the next one was born and also in that i discuss what Henry's plans for Henry Fitzroy may well have been. Because um, Henry Fitzroy, I don't even think he's got a wiki page, which is really weird. I might have that wrong. But, so, but Henry Fitzroy, um, when he was six years old, uh, Henry still had his one child who would survive, um, Mary. And so Henry was his only son, but, it, but I suppose that put pay to any suggestion that he couldn't father sons because he, he recognised publicly Henry Fitzroy from, from the moment he was born. Bobby Ann says, um, yes, because Bobby Ann is a patron. That will be interesting. Can't wait. So that is out um, on the 7th of April because we have a little timetable for patron <laughs> every quarter. We get, so you get to see, I'm, I'm about to put together the May, June, July uh, calendar for Patreon. So in April, so we've got the blog on the Tudor siblings. Like I say, I'll be covering Henry Fitzroy in that as well. Um, yeah, sorry. Cause so, so not only did Henry, um, good morning, Renee, in Michigan. When, um, so not only did Henry VIII recognise publicly Henry Fitzroy as his son, Oh, there is a, there is a, there is a wiki page. I thought there must be. Why it didn't come up when I, when I did a search, I don't know. But anyway, um, he, uh, so he was made Duke of Richmond and Somerset when he was six years old. And he was, he was sent up to, um, to Yorkshire as head of the Council of the North. Anyway, I'll talk about that in the blog because that's significant to Mary. Well, to Mary, definitely. Um, so we're going to have that blog come out on the 7th of April. On the 14th of April, I will be releasing to, uh, to the world um, my interview with Gareth Russell. Let me just tell you a bit more about that in a second. Michael says, Henry was of Welsh, not Norman stock. So why is it he called his son Fitzroy? Well, Henry was, well, by the time you get to Henry VIII, he's, he's a mix of everything. He's not just Welsh. Is he his father? But that's partly the point, isn't it? He's, but Fitzroy is a Norman term, isn't it? French Norman term for um, for a, a a bastard son. Um, Rebecca says, I sometimes think Henry recognised Henry Fitzroy because perhaps he quietly thought about how his father descended from a mistress. I imagine he didn't speak this out loud, though. Yes, yeah, so I explore that in the blog what Henry VIII's 
long-term game may have been. Um, I think he's, Henry VIII is, we think of Elizabeth as very politically sound. Um, higher mock. Uh, and, but I think actually um, Henry thought further ahead than perhaps we sometimes give him credit for <laughs> because he was also um, quite short-termist as well, especially when it came to things like wives. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I've discussed that in the blog. If you're interested in reading that, then maybe you would like to sign up to my patron. Oh, Renee, no. Sound issues again on Instagram. <laughs> Hope everyone else can hear me okay. So, yeah, so that blog will be out on the 7th of April to patrons. And then on the 14th of April, I got the... Um, Rebecca says, Henry was intelligent despite his emotional intelligence. Yes. Yes. Good point. Good point. Um, I spoke to Gareth Russell about the downfalls of Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. And this is the basis of the interview that we did. And patrons got to ask their own questions of Gareth. So what we do is when I interview a historian, and I've got another one to tell you about in a short while, then patrons get to said that uh, get to ask their own questions, submit their own questions, and uh, that part of the interview is uh, goes to the patrons. The main part of the interview is will be available on YouTube, but the entire interview will only be available on, on Patreon. And of course, the patrons got to ask their own questions, and they didn't have to stick to my topic. <laughs> so, for instance, with Gareth, I mean, he wrote a book. Uh, he's written loads of books. But he's written a book on the English monarchy. He's written a book on the Titanic. And obviously he's, he's written the uh, uh, biography of Catherine Howard, Young and Damned and Fair. Um, and he, uh, so he could answer any question that people wanted to throw. And plus, I love the general questions people ask, like, you know, if you could, if you could ask, or if you could have three people to dinner and that kind of thing, because the answers you get back are fantastic. And in fact, uh, tra that, that question was put to Tracy. And um, so, yeah, people are saying in the comments, you know, Henry let uh, his feelings take over. Oh, was he a cancer? Oh, yeah, he was a cancer. Um, yeah, not a cancer. He was a, as in his astrological sign. Um, and, uh, and of course... So this links to Henry, his treatment or the treatment, obviously with Henry's uh, significant backing of Anne and of Catherine and how we can learn about the downfalls of each by comparing and contrasting the two. So when we look at um, what happened to Anne Boleyn and we look at what happened to Catherine Howard, ostensibly on the face of it, it's supposed to be the same thing. They're both tried and executed for uh, for well, treason, but obviously via adultery. And but, but that's sort of where the similarities sort of end. Anyway, so Gareth goes into it um, in a lot of detail. It's a fascinating interview. So look out for that. That will be out on the 14th of April. Patrons, like I say, you get the full shebang where he answers uh, the questions you put to him. Everyone else, you'll be able to see that uh, on the 14th of April on YouTube but I am about to uh, interview next week another historian another wonderful historian her name is Leander Delisle and she has written extensively on the Tudors and the Stuarts and she has a new book coming out soon on Henrietta Maria so I'm interviewing her about Henrietta Maria Henrietta Maria was the wife of Charles I she was a French princess. And bizarrely, she was a fervent Catholic. Of course, France was, um, was still Catholic at this time. And Charles was committed to Protestantism. So the, um, the dynamic there on religious terms, if we, if we look at it through the prism of, of religious ideology at the time, just doesn't look like it could possibly work and yet their personal um attraction but it was more than that they seem to have really sort of loved each other 
um, despite some incredible rails as well. Uh, so it's fascinating, and I'm going to be so I'm going to be putting lots of questions to Leander about uh, about Henrietta Maria. I'm very very fortunate to have been able to have a preview of her book, which is out in um, I think August or September. Rennie asks, who do I find the most fascinating? Um, out of who, Renee? Sorry, I don't quite understand the question. Um, Janice says, looking forward to Leander and Henrietta Maria. Yes. So uh, patrons have been able to submit their own questions to Leander. So they, uh, they've got to ask their own, um, yeah, their own, whatever they're wondering about as well. So, oh, my most fascinating Tudor, probably someone I've not looked into <laughs> so far. Um, uh, 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 there's a man called... Um, can't remember even his name. Someone Sarah was telling me about the guy. One of you, one of you will remember. He um, he married, and maybe his name will, will pop into my head as I'm telling you this. He married, and then uh, I think they had children. Presuming that the first that his wife's husband had died because he, he i mean he was missing for years and years and years and and then then the husband turned up oh it's on the tip of my tongue and he ralph sadler ralph sadler and he had to get or he did get some act of parliament um passed so that his marriage was legal and his children were legitimate so i'd like to look into him more um he sounds his life actually sounds like it should be the basis of a fiction novel. Um, Michael says, according to the painter Dobson, Henrietta Maria had buck teeth. Oh. Well, there you go. Dentistry, not, a, not what it is now. Mm. So, yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, so I'm interviewing the under next Tuesday. It will be out um sometime in the next quarter so for any of you who've just joined i was just saying uh so each my patron i have a calendar for each quarter so the may june july one will be out um soon i'll be putting that together lisa says i wonder where sadler had gone there's a question for leander yes <laughs> i'm gonna add that did henrietta have book teeth the descriptions of the French court and ceremony seem to just completely <laughs> like if we thought like Henry VIII style pageantry was um, extravagant, the French like there was a was it Henrietta Henrietta Maria's train when she had the by the the they they, they married by proxy. Um, Renee says I'm definitely looking into book teeth and Ralph. <laughs> um, yes, um, I think I think Henrietta Maria's train at her proxy wedding at the cathedral. I think it was Notre Dame. Ha not only did there was there, you know, her ladies in waiting carrying her train, but there were also there was also a man underneath it to hold it up. It was so heavy with jewels. I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of bling. Um, if you need a you need a man to stand under your coat, um, Genesis uh, Louis the Fourteenth took it to a whole other level when it came to pageants. Yes, so so Louis came. So yeah, I'm going to have to try and remember. I'm getting into French history as well. Not only the Anglo-Saxons of England, which of course didn't come from England originally um but I'm also getting into the, the French court history I don't know where my brain's going to fit it all I have to try and pack it together and um create links in my brain or else I'm not going to be able to do it mad journalist I'm hi I'm wondering they were so superficial back then so how did she swing such a wedding having buck teeth maybe it's not true well see I would have thought that the Catholic Protestant barrier or even the french english one might have been more of a problem than her book teeth he charles had seen her 
the year before they were betrothed. But I don't think she was the focus of his attention then. He sort of saw her in passing. And then, of course, it was the normal court painters, I think, and, and whatever, or, or um, reports back from ambassadors. And um, no, Charles was besotted. So, uh, yeah, Lisa says, Marie Antoinette is a good era to read about. Yes, and I'm pretty sure, I want to say Gareth's written about that as well. If he's not, he's spoken to me a lot about it a lot. <laughs> Michael says the painter had to flatten her, flatter her, not flatten her. <laughs> That's different. Flatter her. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, they've all got perfect skin and Janice, beauty is in the eye of the polder. Yeah, and was Charles such a looker? No, she was small. I mean, she was, she was young. She was a teenager and he was in his early 20s when, um, when she came over. Um, Renee, Renee, sorry, Marie Antoinette, I started disliking her toward the end of her reign. Um, oh, Rebecca's, Rebecca's on mom duties. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Um, have a good day. Uh, yeah, so, so there's lots going on. So I'm doing a lot on Tudors, a lot on the Anglo-Saxons, a um, lot on, uh, well, so Henrietta Maria coming up and getting into the Stuarts as well because um I mean is there actually an era of history that isn't interesting the answer is no but of course the Stuarts roll on from the Tudors so I think it's a, na a nice natural progression if you uh, have a love of the Tudors that it rolls on into the Stuarts so I um I'll be able to tell you about an event that I've got uh coming up about the Stuarts as well which you can all take part in if you would like so I will let you know more details about that as and when I can. Uh, another interview that's available already, I published it last week, 15th, week before, uh, is Matt Lewis at Ludlow Castle. So if you haven't checked that out already, have a look at that. Um, Matt is talking about the Wars of the Roses, so we're going pre-Tudor now, uh, the Wars of the Roses and Ludlow Castle and the, um, the Duke of York and his... Uh, his sons so that is the um uh <laughs> sorry michael's comment hold on uh yeah that's the that's um uh, edward um george duke of clarence as he would become richard richard the third as he would become edward edward the fourth as he would become um and the, all, them all being at ludlow melly says uh she enjoys learning um about the hanoverians yes we spoke about the hanoverians a little last week in history after dark i'll come on to talk about history after dark as well yeah the hanoverians it, again that's another oh they're all interesting aren't they the, the the and i'm i'm particularly fascinated by the switch of power between monarchs as we go and then and then dynasties as well when you have a big shift change so between the tudors and the stuarts between the stuarts and the hanoverians um and the hanoverians I find really interesting and some of my thoughts aren't fully formed on it but you have a uh, such a request again the religious ideology was the top consideration so so the fact that um yes I'll come back to your questions in a second actually so I'm just looking at my bookshelf because my journalist just asked me about my about a book um the uh in fact, let me let me answer those questions because I can't. I've lost my train of thought. Um, War of the Roses. Uh, Dan Jones has done one. Um, I would have a look at Matt Lewis. Um, and who else have I read about the Wars of the Roses? There is a Helen Castor um, book. I think it's called Blood and Roses about the families. Um, you know, sort of the, 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 the magnates, the powerful families of the country at the time, which I think is, is, is really good. Um, Michael says, do a story on the Lacey family. Yeah, which is, you know, I might find that uh, I'm descended from them, seeing as that is my, uh, my name. <laughs> Lisa, do you, do you want to write a history book? And if so, what era would it be about? I would like to write a history book. I was asked to write a history book. And I 
turned it down because if I do it, I want to do it really well and I want to add something. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to regurgitate, obviously. I don't see the point of that. Um, I, it makes me think perhaps I would like to do a fiction. Rene says that was a question she'd like to ask as well. Yeah, so, so fiction, perhaps, if I can get my creative writing head on, because then, of course, you're not so... Uh, you can explore ideas around the facts, in inverted commas, that we have, and you can explore the ideas around them without getting too much flack. Of course, if you're going to write a, a non-fiction book, you've got to be very, very disciplined. And Well, that's what I would like. I, that's how I would um, be. So... <coughs> excuse me um what era would i do do you know i think i might i think i might be really tempted by the anglo-saxons perhaps because it's um um not to disparage them in any way shape or form but most of the books in fact let me show you one i'm reading at the moment i'm reading about three but i'm reading this one on the anglo-saxons jeffrey hinley i'm listening on audible to the mark morris book on the anglo-saxons um and they are all written by men now whether or not that means i could give a different perspective i can't couldn't be sure unless i tried um but i am very interested in for instance Ethelfled, the Lady of, the, of Mercia. And really, what can we know about her story? She led, um, you know, she led Mercia. Um, Mel uh, Melissa says, maybe you could write a story using that story about the man who had his wife's, yes, about Ralph Sadler. Do you know, when I, yes, that's one of the, one of the ideas is to write about something. I mean, it won't, probably won't call him Ralph, just in case <laughs> I get something wrong. But, you know, maybe. Um, about the yeah about about ralph sadler's story fascinating so i just need a bit of time but the good news is the reason i don't have time is because i'm touring again this year my genesis well uh you know you'd have a lot of buyers should you write any book at all so that's a great starting point for pre-orders and the release day should i want to go for it thank you so much wow so yeah so i'm back touring this year which is part of the reason a big reason why um, why well, I'm not thinking of uh, what, why writing a book is just a thought in my head at the moment. Um, oh, thank you, everybody. Genesis, says she would, um, she would definitely buy my book as well. Oh, this is all very nice to know. Maybe it's a winter, it sounds like a winter project to me. Um, and one you can do when you can, yeah. You know what I'm like? I like to be outside. I like to be traveling. Um, I could do all the research in the summer. And then I can write it in the winter. Um, so Michael says, Saxon common law was much more equitable than Norman law. There's a really interesting take um, aspect, isn't it, as well? The change in laws and the, the Saxon laws and the, the Danish laws. Yeah. It would, it, yeah, it would, be, it would be really, really fascinating to get into. Um, so yeah, so back up, but so sorry, yeah, so back up touring. That's how come the book idea is currently on the shelf. Oh, do you see what I did there? And but I couldn't, I couldn't be more excited. Honestly, I have been. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm daring to get really excited now. The first tour is on the 16th of May. You may have seen me share on my story uh, about it two days ago I, I thought wow I, I should start talking about my tours more I've been so used to over the last two years not being able to really talk about them so 16th of May is the Anne Boleyn tour and we stay at Hever Castle and um, we have uh, Gareth Russell is joining us for the entire tour uh, Jonathan Foyle is coming to speak to us Tracy Borman is coming to speak to us we're going to Hampton Court Palace and um, the Tudor, uh, sorry, the uh, Hampton Court guide, Sarah Slater, is taking us round. When we go to the Tower, we have William taking us round. Um, and we are, some of us are dressing up at Hever in Tudor costume. Uh, we get a hidden Hever tour 
so on one of the nights where you get to go into places like the Barbie bathroom. <laughs> uh, I think it's Nancy Astor had this bathroom, which is can only be described as Barbie pink. It's... Um, Bree says, couldn't go this year, but looking forward to next year. Yes. So um, as soon as I have the details, I'm going to get... Well, most of them are there and thereabouts. Uh, so the Amberlin tour, May 2023, will be on sale really soon. Um, Melissa, coming on... Yes. Coming to the Amberlin tour in 2023. Only four years in the making. Yes, I know. Indeed. Yes. Our plans were put on hold, weren't they? Um, I feel like I feel like I'm just I'm springing out the traps now um, because it's uh, yeah. So anyway, another reason why the book the book can't get done. I can't sit still for long enough. Um, so yeah. So at the moment, I'm head head down into the detailed um, tour planning because you get you get to the point where you're literally minute by minute planning um, the days uh, and all the arrangements. So so that is what's going on with me at the moment. Plus. I mentioned briefly a Stuart event. So I, ha so I have the company British History Tours. I also have British History events. So we're looking at, um, well, bringing you some more sort of short events and online events. Uh, Stuart's being a topic for one of those, which I will tell you more about. It's not going to be until the autumn. Um, so I will share more details with you about that. Got some fantastic speakers lined up and uh, topics it's going to be a weekend of Stuart fun there you go um on that note i must mention i think um many of you already know about this and you'll have seen if i've shared that i shared it on my story is the let me make sure i get their um uh handle correct history for ukraine which uh has got a an event this weekend so what are we 24 so yeah so saturday and sunday 26th and 27th um and all these speakers are doing live streams history for ukraine so you can go onto their um their handle history for ukraine four is the 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 um the num numeric four uh and and they've just talk after talk after talk and you can donate and the proceeds go to helping um helping people in ukraine during during this shitty time so yeah just want to make sure you you know about that because if you're around i think you've, I, I haven't looked at the whole schedule um but they must be almost back to back so i think pretty much whatever time you get on um you'll be able to uh, see some kind of fantastic talk so anyway m I meant to mention that so I'm glad I remembered um yeah <laughs> what else was I going to talk to you about Jan Janice says oh, I was going to ask about history for Ukraine yeah so um I know Tracy Borman speaking um so imagine as I do like that both the tours and events focus on one specific theme or person makes it so much more enjoyable because you get to delve deeper into that character era or whatever. Yes. So my tours are based on a person or an event. So for instance, this year, so May, the Anne Boleyn tour, uh, Ju uh, July, we've got the life and times of Elizabeth I. That one's quite cool as well. They're all cool because we're going, um, we're going up to the Midlands. That is the one with the day that I'm probably most proud of organising so far in my life and my tour career, which is going to be, uh, and there might be a space on the Elizabeth tour. Somebody has got something they think might, might be clashing. So keep an, if, you, if you're interested in coming on the Elizabeth tour, let me know because there may be an opening that you can get in on. But yeah, this one day we're going to Kenilworth Castle in the morning which of course is the the I've, I've described it before bit kitsch but the the bricks and mortar of uh, the love affair between uh, Robert Dudley and Elizabeth um, because of course he builds a whole entire wing for her the gardens were there for her visit one of her visits she spends the longest time at a courtier uh, you know at a subject's house uh, there um 
then we get to Harvington Hall, which I've spoken about many times. It is the uh, the, the Tudor Catholic Recusance House uh, just out in uh, Worcestershire, just outside of Kidderminster. And we uh, it's shut to the public that day. So we get a private tour. We have the place to ourselves. We will be meeting, Hen uh, not Henry, we'll be meeting Elizabeth I there. Let's see what she thinks of all these Catholic um, priests' hides. And then we get Tracy Borman talking to us as well. And we get to eat there in, in, the, in the Great Hall there, or the hall. I think the actual Great Hall was in one of the wings that, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, the, the, the watching chamber, the drawing chamber, but anyway... So that is going to be just the most brilliant day. So that's, um, yeah, so that's the tour. And then in September, we're going on progress with Anne Boleyn, which is following part of the Gloucestershire leg of the progress that Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn did in September, uh, in, sorry, in 1535. The tour is in September. That one I'm doing uh, with Sarah Morris, who's the Tudor travel guide. And then next year, so I'm going to put the calendar together for next year. Um, may well be a Titanic tour in there based in Belfast, which will be amazing. The Amberlin tour will be on. Um, and I'm thinking through some other ideas as well. Uh, so uh, Janice says, hoping for lots of lives on tour if I have time. Yeah, so I mean, I can't promise. I, obviously, when I'm on tour, I'm on tour. So, But I will be... Uh, as far as I can, sharing photographs and maybe do a few lives um, when we're out and about as well. Um, so uh, Janice and Michael are having a little conversation in the comments. I haven't picked up on the first bit of that. So um, thank you, Emma uh, Sorry, I'm so bad with handles. Um, thank you for joining us. See you very soon. And uh, they have to go. So yeah so the, the tours are are just do you know what if you saw my story the other day i did include um you know what what what's included and you get you get option extras as well like we when we're at heber we pop up to st peter's which is the church that um that anne's father thomas berlin is buried in and i think one of her younger brothers who died as a child is buried there as well but anne could have uh, worship there because there was no chapel at, at the castle um, th that's all optional but then also I put um, the opportunity and it genuinely is opportunity to make lifelong friends it's one of those things I couldn't have anticipated it when I envisaged doing the tours um, I couldn't plan for it if I tried like the weather but generally well always people have made such good friends and I know they do because they then email me and tell me about all their meetups that they're having afterwards. Um, and some of them who've met on tour come back together on tour. The July tour is three, two thirds the same people who came on a tour in 2018. So it's, um, it's just fantastic. Um, Jenna says, what a great experience. It would be a dream to participate in a tour, maybe next year. Oh, I really hope so, Jenna. You could bring a cake, although that will weigh your bags down quite a lot, won't it? If you bring something like a barrow breath, I think, it's, I think it weighs about a kilo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a block of gold in your bag, but yeah, please do. I'd love, I'd love that. Uh, <clears throat> so, yes, when I'm on tour, you will see, um, like I say, you'll see some lives, you'll see some... Uh, Images, if you're a patron, you'll get more. And if you want to be a patron, have a look at patreon.com forward slash British history. And if you just want to support me in doing my free work like this, then you can always buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa, um, which would be fabulous. So I think that was all. I will just do a few. Oh, I was going to tell you about History After Dark. Unfortunately, we couldn't do History After Dark last night. Um, we keep getting hit with illnesses between the three of us which makes it a bit difficult. But next week, this gives us a little bit more time to research as well. And if I tell you what it is, then you can do a little bit of research. Oh, Jenna says July's tour. So 2023. So because July is, is Jenna's birthday. Well, I do always look out if, pe if it's people's birthday on tour. 
Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Someone is uh, one of the couples in May is uh, celebrating. They're celebrating their fortieth wedding anniversary with us. So I can't wait for that. Oh yeah, Jenna can bring a cake if um, yeah if she's allowed to bring it through. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, the competition question. Yes. Do you know what? This is one of the things that I hadn't really, um, you know, when I said I hadn't really uh, prepared because I was doing my tour planning this morning. So let me show you those. So the, the question, it was two weeks ago because obviously I was on site out doing on location last week. So I didn't, uh, I didn't do this. But the question I asked the week before is, which member of the royal family did Sarah Churchill, Duchess of Marlborough, want her granddaughter lady diana spencer to marry and i didn't get a chance to look up his name but believe it or not it was the prince of wales <laughs> so there's a lady diana spencer who was lined up to marry a prince of wales about two centuries before the diana spencer that we know and the prince charles that we know or prince of wales that we know got married now, if you want to actually know what on earth I'm talking about, check out my interview with Antonia Keeney from Blenheim Palace. She's a social... Um, oh, it's Freddie Prince of Wales. <laughs> Can't we just rename him Charles? <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, check out that interview with Antonia Keeney. You can listen to it on the podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, she's a social historian at Blenheim Palace and she is brilliant talking about Sarah Churchill and that is one of the stories that she tells about how Sarah is trying to negotiate the uh, the marriages of her daughters and granddaughters and what a uh, ungrateful lot they were according to Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Churchill is um, yeah interesting character to say the least. <clears throat> so um, History After Dark next week will be on Fantastic Beasts and where, where, oh, what have we called it? Fantastic Beasts and where to find them in history. So we're talking pets. And that will include the nuts pets. Oh, just sort of another one um, that, uh, that people have had over time. So if there's any stories you know, please feel free to pop them in the comments when you're watching on History After Dark. So we'll be doing that next Wednesday at 8.15pm London time. Um, yes, Lisa, so I have, I have some stories about... Well, we're going to talk about falconry, which is f just fascinating. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we're going to talk... <laughs> so I've got this polar, polar bears everywhere. Um, well, maybe not quite everywhere, but definitely polar bears. A drunken moose... And I've just thought about a monkey. So um, they're just for me. So there's going, there's going to be, <laughs> once Catherine and Kat get hold of that topic, I'm sure we're going to have a lot, a lot of fun. So that will be next week on History After Dark. Remember, the History After Dark podcast goes live every Monday on Spotify. I'm not sure if it's made it onto Apple yet. And you can find it um, on Anchor as well. So if you check out the History After Dark um YouTube, not YouTube page. We're going to have a YouTube page at some point, but if you look at the History After Dark Instagram page, history.after.dark, you will find the link in the bio to that and also to some merch if you're interested in some of the just incredible uh, things. I saw History Flerner, don't know if he's still on, the amazing illustrator of the Warboner uh, uh, icon badge shield which if you've been watching history after dark you will um you will know what we're on about so you can have a look at that um michael says plenty of fantastic beasts at the beasts at the front gate of hampton court palace there is actually i took um i think i took photos of those last time i was there it was sort of the, the very front gates and i was hanging around there i think we we're going for a taxi Whereas before I'd just sort of gone through, you know, and um, yeah, and I took a much closer look. Uh, Lisa says, I think Henry had a zoo. Henry I had a zoo. Well, the Tower of London, at the Tower of London, perhaps. Um, and Janice, thinking Henry, Henry Retta Maria ha 
had a monkey. Ooh, I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Perhaps we get, we get monkeys, polar bears. Um, yeah, a lot. And obviously, like, like I say, we'll talk about falconry as well, because that, that's just fascinating. Um, uh, Margaret Tudor had a monkey in a portrait of herself. What <laughs> Mm. Henry VIII was given a leopard, Jenna says. Because it's like, <laughs> like what, what, what am I going to do with this? I don't want to spoil the story about my polar bear, but I'll tell you what. No, I'm not going to tell you now. You'll have to watch. You'll have to watch next week. Um, but suffice to say, they're not really supposed to be in England. And Michael says at the entrance of the main building of Hampton Court. Yes, well, that, so, that, yeah, they're everywhere. I suppose that, that obviously the link to Beast is heraldry. Um, I saw a meme yesterday about lions in England and we identify as a lion, even though we've never seen one. All right, calm down. Um, last week in visiting Tudor Britain, we, um, Sarah uh, had uh, talked to us about Markenfield, uh, Markenfield Hall, I think it's called. Yes, Markenfield Hall and... Um, and Fountains Abbey. So if you have a look back on Tudor underscore time, Tudor times, then you'll see that one from last week. Um, Jenna says, I'd rather be given a horse. At least it would have been useful. <laughs> Imagine that lot was the RSPCA's dream come true. Oh. Well, it was the RSPCA. No, RSPCA, yeah, we'll, we'll side for protection. What's the C for? Care of animals? Don't know. Um, uh, yeah. Well, but, I, no, let's not get into that, but the RSPCA, look, they sort of get involved with some stuff and not with others. Um, Lisa says, when did a lion and a unicorn appear on England's shield? Wasn't the unicorn... <clears throat> wasn't the unicorn... Scotland's James didn't James put bring that down put that so that that I might have that wrong but I think that came with James um yes having these uh oh prevent sorry Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals is the RSPCA so not pr protection that's why I couldn't think of what the C was for prevention of cruelty to animals thanks Doug <clears throat> yeah so yeah it is cruel it was cruel but i'm sure um, i'm hoping to find some stories of where perhaps that cruelty got its commitments but anyway we shall see that's the kind of thing we find amusing on on history after dark uh, history after dark <laughs> is history after dark jenna yes the unicorn is is uh, scotland's symbol yay i got something right off the top of my head thank you for that um we're, ooh, we're over the hour mark so i'm going to leave you be Thank you for joining me today. Next week, I'm not quite sure where I'll be. I might be uh, doing some location work between now and then. I'm definitely interviewing Leander Delisle. So, um, but that won't be out in, for a few months. Um, Michael says, aren't the cats on the Royal Coat of Arms originally leopards, not lions? I went to Goldsmiths Hall a couple of years ago and... <laughs> and um sorry i'm not laughing at that I'm laughing at lisa's comment and i think that's what they told me there they've, they've got um they've got the badges and shields and everything the carpets it's an incredible place you're not allowed to take photos in there in case um in case you share it and in case someone then um works out how to steal from the place not ideal uh lisa says sadly unicorns are now extinct yeah <laughs> the unicorn Unicorn horn was, oh goodness, you tell me, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, it was a sea creature. Can't think of the name of it now. Uh, Michael's off, take care, always an education. <laughs> Hopefully in a good way. Thank you, Bobby Ann, you have a great day too. I will see you um, all Tomorrow at four o'clock, I'm hosting the Visiting Judah Britain Room. We're talking Chepstow Castle and Raglan Castle with me, Sarah and Deb Royal. Before I go, I must also tell you that Deb has a new 
magazine. If you love Tudor Places, this is perfect because it's called Tudor Places. Check her out. Um, I will be giving you more information about that fantastic new magazine. Uh, Narwhal. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Ipsa. Thank you, Melissa. Yes. In his, um, Harry Potter, History of Magic. It's in that book. If anyone um, is interested in the, the real life magic behind uh, Harry Potter, that's a brilliant book. Uh, and it is narrated by Natalie Dormer on Audible. So um, the only trouble is she has such a beautiful voice that I fell asleep to it multiple times. <laughs> but anyway, still worth it. Uh, right, I am going. Thank you so much, everybody. See you tomorrow at four o'clock. And um, yeah, have a fantastic uh, 